Hello and good evening to everyone. It's good to be here with you on a Friday night with friends and you are some of those friends. But tonight we have a very special guest, a friend of mine who I'm I'm exceedingly honored to have with us tonight. She is coming to us from the other side of the world, so for her it's past midnight. But my friend Colleen Carter is with us tonight. She is a missionary. She's been a missionary since early 2000, and she spent most of that time, meaning until the last few months, <laughs> uh, either in the States or Canada deputizing or in Ghana. She spent most of her time in Ghana. And tonight we are going to be talking about a place in Ghana that um, she kind of became the unofficial but official <laughs> tour guide for um, that happens to be in Ghana. So uh, it kind of fell to her, I think, that everyone who came from the US to visit uh, and wanted to see this place, she took them. It was in a pleasant journey, I think, but, um, mm -hmm. but she did that for us. And um, so I'm, I'm thankful for that experience of hers and that willingness to do that. So the place we're talking about tonight is Elmina Castle. And when I think castle, I think of a wonderful, you know, place where prince and princess live. And this, this is not that kind of a castle. This was originally a trading post on, uh, on the Gold Coast. And there's a reason it was called the Gold Coast. Um, had a lot of gold. And so originally it was a trading post. And then they discovered, unfortunately, that there was a something to be had there that was worth more than gold. And uh, we, we also believe that people are worth more than gold, but it was not in the way that we think of it. Um, just a little bit of history. They're back in the, in the slave trading days. This was a slave trading castle. It ended up being that. Um, the slave trading days, uh, they had a, a triangular trade route. So the ship would start, we'll say it starts in Britain, uh, Europe somewhere, and it would leave port with guns or cloth or drink or something, and something that would be in demand in West Africa. And it came to, they would bring that to West Africa where they would either sell it or trade it for human cargo. And they would buy from the white man there um, who had obtained the slaves from tribal people there who were selling their enemy tribesmen into slavery. So it wasn't the white guys that were out in the bush in the bushes capturing people. Unfortunately, it was it was uh, people selling their their own country. We would call them countrymen, but it was opposite tribes mm. um, for profit. They would load them onto slaves. And you can see on this little map here on the green arrow, they would come to the New World, either South America, North America or the Caribbean, where they would be offloaded and sold. Then uh, onto the ship would be loaded instead of the human cargo would be loaded coffee or sugar or um, tobacco, some of those things that grew real well in the New World. And then they would go back to Britain and they would sell that and start the whole thing over again. So what we're talking about now, and I'm glad this picture is, is here. Um, I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, Colleen, but the, the arrow that kind of points to the, the armpit of Africa, so to speak, um, is, yes. that, is that about where Ghana is, or is it a little west of there, where that it's yellow arrow hits it? That is actually Ghana. That okay. would be Ghana, Togo area. Yes, okay. ma'am. Okay. Yeah. So we're, that's the area we're talking about, where that, that arrow is kind of pointing into the fold of Africa. And on there, on that coast, were, were many, many slave castles, uh, ports, I don't know what you want to call them, trading posts, uh, where this kind of thing happened. They would store, they would house, I don't know what you want to call it, the slaves until they were, they were sold to these traders. And um, so tonight we're going to talk about one of those places which was in Ghana and 
it is really, I believe, the most well-maintained of them or the best restored or something. Uh, for instance, I know that Obama, when he, his first visit to Africa was to this castle because mm -hmm. he wanted to honor, um, honor the history there that had happened, the atrocities. So um, tonight, if Steve wants to come on, he has a little something to say, and then we'll start. So first of all, welcome to our broadcast, folks. If you uh, have our first time with us, we welcome you. We're glad that you've chosen to be with us. And uh, you can find out more about us at newyorkqpc.info. You see that scrolling along the bottom of the screen. And then also, I want to remind all of our listeners that we are, are coming up on um, Easter. And so we will be celebrating communion on Easter online. This will be the second year doing it uh, because of COVID. Hopefully, it will be the last time that we have to do it in person, in online. Um, but be aware of that and join us, plan to join us uh, Easter Sunday, April 4th at our 7 o'clock broadcast. And we'll have a special guest that will be with us that will be leading us in communion. You won't want to miss it. And uh, so gather bread or crackers or whatever it is that you're going to use to symbolize the body of the Lord. And then also whatever juice you're going to use to uh, to symbolize the blood. And we're going to celebrate communion together. Um, but again, you can find out more about us at NewYorkUPC.info. Before we go into the rest of tonight's broadcast with uh, with our friend Sister Colleen uh, Carter, and, and Colleen, thank you for being with us. We are so honored that you thank have you taken a nap today and drank your coffee <laughs> and done everything you needed to do in order to stay We're up ready. with us. We are ready. All right. <laughs> but what I want us all to do is please understand that this topic that we're dealing with tonight is one that I, Regina and I felt when we went to Ghana that we needed to go there. And the reason is, is that there are so many of you that have chosen to, to allow us to, to serve you. That the reality is, is that your ancestors came through, if not this castle, a fort, a trading post, or a castle like this. This was not a fun trip. When Sister Colleen Carter took us there, it was a very somber day. It was not a fun trip. But I felt I owed it to you, being in Ghana, being where I could go, that I would honor the memory of your ancestors. Now, let me be very clear about something. We do not worship our ancestors. But the scripture does say to honor our father and our mother. And by extension, I think we can understand that honor is different than worship. Honor is about remembrance. And so tonight, what we're trying to do is in, in addition to inform you and in addition to uh, give you information, and particularly in the season that our country's in right now, with all that is happening, because America's sin has not yet been made right. And what we're talking about tonight played a part in America's sin. America's not the only place that sinned, but America's the one that put forth in its founding documents language that offered freedom and hope and liberty and equality, except it didn't live up to it. And so we're paying the cost of that sin even to this day. And so tonight, before we start, what I would like for us to do is simply honor all of these people who made that passage. Some of them being ancestors of some of our dear brothers and sisters who we love and who we serve alongside of in the kingdom. There's something powerful about silence. And so as, as, as odd as this sounds, I would like wherever you're at and whoever is listening, and even if you're watching this after the fact, I'd like for you to pause here in this moment. And we're going to take a moment of silence. And this moment of silence is simply to set the mood and set the tone for this discussion and for, for our broadcast tonight. To acknowledge that we're talking about real human beings. People were created in the image and the likeness of God. Who were treated as if they were less than animals. We need to honor them. We don't worship them, but we need to honor them and we need to treat this topic with a level of respect uh, that 
it's just critical that we do so. And so if you would, wherever you're at, wherever you're watching, whether you're live or you're watching this later, would you simply pause for a moment? Would you silence everything? Would you put your attention just upon silence in honor of the ancestors, the people that we are talking about? All right, Regina and Colleen, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. Go on a journey. All right. Ah, okay. If we, if you all can pretend with us, we're going to take a tour of Elmina <laughs> Castle. So, Colleen, we have some pictures that Steve is going to help us with as we as we move along here. We come up, we drive up to the castle in. Uh, in Sparky, your shoes for Christ vehicle. <laughs> yeah. After going That's over true. many, many rough roads and being stopped many times by people hoping for a bribe, um, and they didn't get any. But we come up to the castle, and this is what it looks like. It is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and so they do have money to maintain it. But Colleen, walk with us, and and just kind of walk through, walk our people through. Um, through the experience here. Okay. Um, thank you for allowing me to be a part of this tonight. Thank you for um, your time. It's, uh, it's a very somber subject, but we are talking about a building that is the oldest uh, European building in sub-Sahara. So it is, it's over 500 years old is what this building is actually, uh, Almina Castle. Uh, it was built by the Portuguese and um, actually was actually built to be a trading center for goods, not people in the beginning, uh, like gold, ivory, like our sister mentioned. And so then it transitioned um, to become one of the main stops on the route uh, for the transatlantic slave trade. And so when you pull up to it, it's this mammoth of a building that it just, and it's empty. That's, that's the interesting thing. When you actually enter the door and you pay your fee to get the, the, the tour, um, the only thing that's in that building is history. There is no furniture. There's no, there's no actual um, people other than you walking through. But as they begin to tell you the story, um, you, you feel a weight on your spirit as you go through. So I, I want to just kind of take you through because it's an extremely important part of history that we've got to recognize and never forget. I don't want to ever forget where we came from. And um, it's important that we always remember where we came from. And it may not always be a good story, um, but it's definitely important that we remember. So tonight, I just want to take you on a little bit of a tour. Obviously, I don't have the whole thing memorized, although I've <laughs> I've done the tour probably close to 30, 40 times. I have no idea how many visitors we had over 21 years, um, but I've been there a lot of times. And um, it's, it's just an interesting, as you go through, you start to feel the emotions of what the people could have actually experienced inside. And uh, so let's go into the courtyard and uh, Brother Beardsley will help us out here. Um, you're going to see straight ahead that that is actually the, um, it's a church and it started out as a church, um, but then it became a trading hall and um, religion went out the door and in came what they wanted to do 
with selling people, trading them, auctioning them off, um, who could get the highest price. Um, today, it actually serves as a museum. So when you enter the courtyard, uh, that will be your first stop in your tour. You will go to this building and you will go through and you will see uh, it's all pictures, some of the different um, memorabilia that's there shows you what time was like in the 1400s when the Portuguese built this building and then when the Dutch took it in the 1600s and then when the British took it in the 1800s. Um, so that is your three European um, countries that actually owned this castle until Ghana gained its independence in 1957 from British rule. And then they took over this castle themselves, did some work to fix it up, and it become a museum type tour that you could see what happened, but it's not still happening in the building. If you look down in the um, corner, you're going to see these are two cells and they are confinement cells. The first one on the right, uh, you'll see that it has the open grates. Those were actually for officers that were disobedient, that didn't do exactly what the governor thought they should do. So they would put them in there for an hour, hour and a half, whatever, but it was very well ventilated and it was simply smarten up and then we'll let you out. Um, but the one that is behind the plant there and has the skull and crossbones over the door, those are actually for prisoners um, that were brought in and they would revolt, they would be rebellious, and they would be punished by being put in there. There's very, there's very little ventilation in that cell. And everyone that went in the cell, no one came out until everyone had passed away. And so um, it was when when you do the tour, they actually take you in the build in the room and shut the door. And uh, the first couple of times it was like, oh, no, 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 let me out. And then I, <laughs> I, I couldn't, you know, the first one's fine. You can you can breathe. No problem. There's the, the, the hole. The shaft yeah. is there. Uh, but the second one, it's very eye opening to the reality of what these people went through. So and, if, if you you were hoping, ironically, you're probably hoping if you if you got put in there that you would die quickly. Yes. Especially yes. if you were with other people, or else you would be in there with all these dead bodies. Yeah. You actually hope that you were the first one to pass away, because if not, then you got to be there with all of the other people until everyone was gone. And so it's. Like even just just talking about it, I can just feel my spirit just like, oh, your heart just sinks with, with the feeling of what happened there, in in that in that time. And so it's, it's a, it's an eye-opening part of history, and um, it's not a good feeling at all. Right. Um, but for some reason, I was selected to be the one to take everybody. Um, there were different dungeons for the females and the males in the castle. Uh, they were all on the bottom floor, on the, the, the bottom level, uh, simply because they were prisoners. And in the Ghanaian culture, it goes by levels. So it would be prisoners, and then the next level up would be the officers, and then the top level, the third level of the building would be the governor, because he is the most important, so he's on top. And uh, this is the female dungeon in these rooms um, down around the bottom there. And obviously they would all have doors. They would all be closed off. Um, there was very little ventilation. And there would be up to 500 women in these rooms all on the bottom here. And that, that little tiny um, uh, hole at the, at the end of the room, as you can see down there by the wreath, that was actually the only ventilation for that room. And there would be at least 150 to 200 women in that room because it's one of the biggest ones. And all of those where you see the light coming in, those would be doors and they would be sealed off. And so the women would be in there. There would be very little water, very little sanitation. Um, 
anything, basically a bucket in the corner. And if you made it to the bucket, um, then what you needed to do went in the bucket. And if it didn't, it went on the floor. And so you had a lot of people that were actually captured. They never even made it to the boat. How long, how long did people, do you know how long they typically stayed? About three months. Okay, they would, so they would hold them up to three months. So That's, we're not talking about overnight. We're talking. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. You're, you're talking 90 days approximately so laying are, on this floor. Are young women having their time of the month and experiencing all that with no sanitation Absolutely. or anything yes ma'am to clean it up and and the thing is is um the water in ghana is not clean so even if they did get water it would make them sick mm. and it depends on which part of the country you're from how sick you get because the water is different all over the country right. whether you're um, used to those germs or not yeah right right and so it's when you walk through this room, um, it, it's so devastating um, to see what these poor women went through. Yes. And uh, if we can just go back out into the courtyard, brother, if we can just back up one sec, out into the courtyard, you will see that there are two wells or cisterns on the ground. The first one over in the corner was actually built by the Portuguese. And when the Dutch took the castle over in the 1600s, they thought the Portuguese would have poisoned them. And so that one became null and void and they never used it again. Um, but the middle one, the one closest to the front of the picture would be the one that the Dutch built to have a cistern of water under the castle. And so the women would be brought out into the courtyard during the day and um, the sun, it, there's no roof over that area. They would stand in the heat in West Africa. So you're looking at at least 100 degrees on most days. And they would stand there in the heat. Uh, if they were being disobedient, um, there was places that there would be a ball and chain that would be put on their foot. And they would be made to stand out there for the whole day from morning till night, the whole 12 hours of sunlight without any water, without any food. Um, on the balcony just above, you would see uh, that is the officer's level. And, or excuse me, yes, no, that's the officer's level. Um, and then the governor would come out, and I want to be very careful in saying this tonight, but um, he would choose someone to spend uh the evening with him and uh, she would be cleaned, she would be prepared and then taken to his chambers um, for the night. And so what's interesting is you can see this is his chambers. His chambers are the same size or even maybe even bigger than the whole female dungeon, that big long room um, where at least 150 to 200 women laid on the floor uh, as prisoners. This is his room, the one man, and it's very well ventilated. There's a lot of windows you can see out into the ocean. It's beautiful. The breeze would blow through and he would. So you can see that the degradation that they went through was literally awesome. inhumane. Yeah. I, I can't even put it into words. It just, it just yes. tears your heart out of what they actually endured. But there is um, just outside, if you look in the picture, the man in the white shirt is very close to this trap door. Um, that, that is where they would bring the women up from the courtyard. And there's, when you lift that door, there's stairs that they would bring those. Obviously we didn't go up those stairs because now with the sea, um, and the moisture and everything, those stairs are, are condemned, but they're there just simply to show you that they would bring the women up there and they would come up through the trap door into the governor's room for the evening. Um, what what happened if a, if a woman got pregnant? If the woman got pregnant, she was not sold as a slave. Um, 
she would be kept there and the child would actually, uh, there was a school in Almina and they would, they would take the children and they would educate them and the mother would be kept in the village. Um, and so when you do the tour, they will actually uh, explain a lot of the different Portuguese, uh, Dutch and British names that have become part of the Ghanaian uh, naming, whereas it would not have been there because Mills and Hansen and Von Dorfen and those are not normal Ghanaian names. Right. But they came from this, these, abuse. this abuse. And so the, the baby of either the governor or the officers, because they also would abuse the women, um, they would, the baby would take the mother's, uh, the father's name. And then that's how different people in Ghana got names that are actually European by nature. Awful. Extremely awful. And just beyond awful. Um, this is still in the ladies' courtyard. And uh, if you look up to the very top, that is a church. And we will look at a, room, a, a picture of that church. But where the triangles are over the windows, that is actually a church where the officers, the traders, and their families would go and they would fellowship. They would be having a grand old time, normal, wonderful day. And just below them, the women are being treated. They're not even being treated like animals because, like, I would never treat an animal like that. Right. Um, it's just inhumane what they went through and beyond words. Um, but it's so messed up in the thinking. Yeah. <laughs> of have yeah. a church and, and fellowship over top. And and what's interesting is, yeah, this is the room where they would all go this and have a grand old time. Worship their God. Same size as the dungeon where the women would be held. And yeah, you're looking at about 150 to 200 women in that room, yeah. uh, laying on the floor, the stones. This is even wood, so it's not even as uncomfortable if you laid on it. Um, but not obviously, they had chairs and tables and right. all of the necessities. Yeah. Um, and then they had the scripture over the door, and this is actually in uh, either Dutch or Portuguese. I can't remember. Um, I think it's in Dutch. I looked it up. Is it in Dutch? I think it's in Dutch. Okay. I can't remember now. Um, but it's it's talking about, you know, good things and wonderful and the Lord is with them and all is going to be great and wonderful. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. The, the, this is... How? how? How can you do that above what is happening just a few feet below you? Yeah. And, and you're not even paying in any mind like it's not even happening. And it just it just blows my mind. Yeah. And I don't I can't I can't fathom how someone could treat someone else like that. Right. But it's a part yes. of our history. Yes. Unfortunately, it really is. Um when you went this is when you're leaving the ladies dungeon. And this actually used to be stairs. Um, but through time and through it being right on the ocean, uh, the humidity and everything, they they deemed it unsafe, so they put rods across. But this is where the female slaves would be brought, and they would descend these stairs, and uh, just below that is where they would join the males coming from the male dungeons and go out towards the ships. And so... Um, it, it just blows my mind to think of all that they went through. But the male dungeons, um, it's they had at least, they would say about 100 or excuse me, 1,000 men at a time. And, and like our sister mentioned, they were actually captured by their own people, um, maybe a different tribe, yes, and they would be sold to either the, the Portuguese, Dutch, or British held there for up to three months. And then this is the room. Um, they would bring them down that, that's those stairs, females and males, husband and wives. They hadn't seen each other for three months. They may, if they survived, 
they may see their spouse or their brother or their sister as they joined and to, to go out to the ship. Um, it, it, it just... It's amazing anyone survived. That is the thing. I don't, they, I don't understand how anyone survived. They, they, were, they would be so strong um, because African, African people are extremely strong. Um, they can carry loads that have blown my mind for 20 years of ministry in Ghana. Uh, you know, just, just a sidetrack note here, but I have watched two men pick up a load and put it on a woman's head. So they're not weak. <laughs> And and she takes off walking, <laughs> and she takes off walking down the road with a baby on the back, and there's this great big massive bag of corn or whatever on her head, and it's that like, it took two oh, men to pick up, yeah. And it took two men to pick it up and put it on her head, yeah. and so they're very strong, and so they had to break their will. They had to break them down to where they couldn't fight back, and so when they. Um, we're going out towards the ship. This is the door of no return. And it's in, it used to be wider, but they brought it and narrowed it in. As you can see from the dent, um, they narrowed it in so that only one person could pass through the hole at, this, at, at one time. And the, the water used to be right up to the castle and it has receded. Um, and so that, that, that is not normal. When the slave trade was taking place, there was not land out there. Yeah. The boats would come and they would go directly onto the boat from this door and uh, then be taken. As, as we saw in the triangle, they would head for the Americas, either South, Central or uh, North America and be sold into slavery uh, for the best price like cattle or whatever, you know. Um, but this is the door. Once they went through this door, they didn't come back. Um, yeah. It's it's just mind-boggling. It's unthinkable. Uh, it is. It is so unthinkable of how you could possibly treat someone like that. But three months of approximately 1,500 slaves. Um, now, by the end of the three months, obviously, they weren't all alive. So there wasn't 1,500 put on a boat at a time. Uh, there may only be three or 400. Uh, if they died, they were thrown over the, the, the roof of the castle into the ocean. There was no burial. There was no treating them. They just pick them up and throw them. And they would land in the ocean and float away. Um, it's just such cruelty uh, is yeah. beyond comprehension. And and when we started, you know, thinking about doing this, it just was like, oh wow, I could feel my spirit just, oh, yes. yeah, because it's heavy. It, it, it's extremely sad. Yeah. Um, but if you're going to understand a lot of the cultures around the world, a lot of them originated right. in West Africa. Yeah. They started there. The roots are there. And uh, unfortunately, they were not treated well. And right. slavery became a part of our world. Right. Not something that we rejoicing at all. It's not right. a good thing. Right. Um, unfortunately... I wish that it was over in Ghana. Um, I wish it was over in West Africa, but slavery is still a part of the, of the world. Um, it's just not put in the news. It's not, um, they're not housed in the castle like they were before, but children are still sold in, into slavery on a regular basis. Um, and it breaks my heart. It just breaks my heart. Are they um, sold for, because the parents can't, the parents need money or someone kidnaps them or how does that happen they, in the world? They will be, the parents will be offered like a small amount of money, but because they are struggling so bad and they can't actually feed this child, they will sell them to fishermen. They will sell them to factory workers. 
Um, and the little children that are sold to fishermen are sent down to unknot the nets down in the ocean. They, they just chuck them over the side of the boat and down they go and they drown, most of them. They don't, they, they can't, like they're little tiny, but their hands are so small that they can get them in through the nets to un, unhook. So they use them as slaves. And, and it's, it, it's awful. It, it just breaks your heart because when we were there, um, myself and the Cisco's, we came across a story where a mother sold her child for 30 Ghana CDs. And five CDs right now is about a dollar. Can you imagine? So for six dollars, maximum, if the exchange rate was different at the time, maximum ten dollars, she sold her son into slavery to a fisherman. And it, it just, I just sat there and wept because it was just like, oh my goodness. The, the living for the moment, not looking at the future at all, that this child is not coming home. Yeah. And the, the desperation you must be in to, yeah. to do that. It just, it, it just, you know, boggles my mind. I can't. Yes. But we have an empty building. And what's interesting, if you look at the village of Almina, it's... Um, it's a bustling town. It's like a fishing town. Um, there's a market there. It just goes wide open all the time. But there stands this castle like a tower <laughs> over the town. And it just, yeah. it's, a, it's a very vivid reminder of yeah. the history that has taken place in that, in that castle. Um, question that I've never heard anyone address, and maybe you don't know the answer to it. It is question time. Um, so if anybody has questions, you know the drill. Preface it with question, and, and Steve will pop it up on the screen here. But I'll start with, with mine. Um, I've seen from the, on, on like a visit to Mexico, the, in America we talk about our, our immigration problems, and right now there's, there's these problems at our southern border and people trying to get in, and I understand that. I, I but the other side of that in Mexico is the families that the families that are destroyed because the father comes to the U.S. to try to make enough money to provide for his family to send back home. Um, and the, the marriage is totally broken apart. I mean, he's they're still married, but there's no real relationship because he's in the U.S. and he can't come home and then come back. It's it just tears, tears these families to bits. Um, so we hear on the, in the slave trade story, the, the American side, the, the new world side of things. Do you have any, any idea what this did to the, to the people, the villages, the tribes in Africa? It Were would they have wiped out? Were they just broken apart? There would be families that would be totally torn apart, but not everybody in the family would be taken as slaves because obviously some would be too old and some would be too yes. young. But the middle generation, the mother and the father could be taken and the older children could be taken. Um, so you could have villages that would be almost literally wiped out other than your senior citizens and your children. Yeah, And it just, it just, I, I can't even, like, you know, to have someone come running into your village and take your parents or take whoever. Take all the healthy people, yeah. Take all the healthy ones and, and take them and get them to the castle. Now, not everybody that they kidnapped made it to the castle. Um, they could have been killed along the way um, or they escaped from the their captors Traitors. yeah and uh but once they made it to the castle they didn't leave yeah other than on the boat yeah obviously most of your experience sister colleen is is coming from guinea um or ghana and from the Ghanaian experience 
Uh, Obviously, there were other countries uh, along West Africa that were involved in this all the way up the coast. So we, first of all, for our audience, let's preface that answers to these questions are obviously coming from uh, the Ghanaian context in particular. Um, But one of the questions that one of our listeners is asking is, is, is maybe a little bit more discussion. Who supplied most of the slaves? I know we kind of alluded to that, but let's let's return to that for a moment. We know who owns the castle. We 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 in our introduction we showed how it would, they would move via ships on European ships, basically from right. from the from West Africa across to the to South America, the Caribbean, and and North America. Um, but talk a little bit more. Go into a little bit more detail as you know it. And particularly in the Ghanaian context of of right. how how did this how did they arrive at the castle? And that's why I kind of popped this question up as you were discussing the kidnapping and things that are happening. Like for example, how many how many tribes are in Ghana? Like we've we've oh, now these, we've now got these countries that have Europeans have formed and said you're all a country. But I know from our experience in Nigeria, there's hundreds of different. Yeah. Tribes or so. There, there are so many different tribes in Ghana. Um, there are actually over 75 languages. So um, you're all your different tribes, all your different towns may be different. Um, there's 10 regions in Ghana, and every region could have 10, 20 tribes. Like you don't, I have no real number to give you but there are there are a lot of different tribes in the nation of ghana and so um so, everyone is different everyone has different culture everyone has different traditions you lived for a while in the north of ghana is it Tomale? yes ma'am i did um, i lived in Tomale. was it very different than accra it was like i went to a totally different country right yeah as like far as I culture moved, and language and- culture language Um, Just everything. Everything's totally different Um, because in Accra, well, the the most primary dialect um, in Ghana is is Chui. And so you will have a lot of people, but it depends on which part of the country you come from because there's Fanti and then there's Akan. And, you know, so you've got all your different Chui's. So it could be Twi, but there's going to be a little difference to it, and it comes with your different tribes. And so if you come from the eastern part down, like the Volta side, you're going to speak Eve. You're not, they are, the, the Twi and the Eves, they don't speak the same. And so it's going to be in different areas up in the mountain. It's going to be Krobo. And so it's uh, in the north is Dagbani. And then there was the Fra Fra tribes in the north. And so it's totally different um, cultures and traditions with each and every tribe. Um, and were the tribes selling each other? Is that They would be selling each other, but it also could be um, like the mother with the child. If they were offered enough merchandise or money or whatever from whoever was wanting the slaves then they could even take their own people and and bring them thinking that they themselves were going to get a better life um, by what was given to them and not thinking of the future of the people that they were sending to the castle. The love of money. Oh, sweetie, the it's root. the root of all evil. So I, I think that kind of answers this question or starts to it, I, I think, uh, as... Our executive pastor, what I think she meant, on what basis did the African people capture African people? It's all commerce then. In other words, there might be war, but it was more about commerce. It was a lot to do with commerce, but it, like our sister uh, mentioned in the beginning, it could be two, two tribes were fighting. And so it was retaliation against the other tribe. Let's Plus just you get some money. Cap- absolutely. You capture the other tribesmen and you take them to the castle and you get money for them and that helps your life be better and you get rid of your enemy. It's like a win-win situation. Uh, unfortunately, I, you know, for them, that's what they were thinking, but not 
I, that's not what I'm thinking. It's like, wow. Right. Um, yeah. You know, there should be another better way to deal with your problems, but. I've got Thanks. two questions that are kind of similar. So I'm going to pop the first one up and then pop the second one up. There, there are two different phrasings that I think about the same thing. To your knowledge, were there any attempts to overthrow the slave traders, whether Africans or Europeans, attack the castle, set the captives free, etc.? And then another question writer, kind of the same thing. Were there ever any attempts to stop the taking of slaves by those tribes who were having their people taken? So do we know in, hi in history of any or did it become common even for the Africans that this was just how life? I don't, I don't know if there was any attempts other than when the Portuguese, like the Dutch attacked the Portuguese trying to overtake the castle. Um, so that they I, could slave, they could trade the slaves. They themselves. Not so they, could, set the, not so they no. could set the slaves free. There wasn't a liberation mentality. There was no, a, they, they, over you know they fought the portuguese in the 1500s and didn't succeed and then they fought again in the 1600s and they succeeded in overthrowing the portuguese and captured the castle and then they themselves took up what the portuguese had been doing in the compound in the castle um and then in the 1800s the british took over the the castle but to my knowledge, and I don't know of any tribes that tried to overthrow, they wouldn't have had the the power and the fighting. It would be like, a, you know, a bunch of ants attacking this monstrosity of a building because they had, if you go up on the roof of this castle, there was like cannons and they would, you know, blow them and people would be smithereens. Um, so to my knowledge, if someone were to find, you know, information about that, but I, I personally you never heard of it. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yeah. Um, one thing we need to realize, and Steve can talk to this is that slavery, um, slavery predated the, the transatlantic slave trade. Um, you know, slavery in, in ancient Rome, I, I read in a book that I bought at Elmina Castle that before pre the transatlantic slave trade, they would, um, West Africa, they still had slaves, the same kind of tr warring tribes are selling each other off or whatever, and they would take them through the Sahara up to, up to, um, you know, on the Mediterranean area. So um, slavery was, wasn't a new thing to the no. world. It was just, I don't think before they had had the, the white on black. Um, right dynamic is do you have anything to add to that steve the, the way i would put it folks in in all of my years of studying it the thing that was so damaging about this period that we're talking about the ancient world has had slavery but it never carried with it the connotation that you were not a human yeah the ancient world slavery carried the connotation that either you were weaker or that your gods were weaker so when we conquer, when one people conquers another people, it is a referendum on their gods or their strength. Because of that, yes, you are going to be sold into slavery. However, you were not, you were seen as valuable. Right. And, and it doesn't mean you were treated well. In fact, many were sold into copper mines and other kinds of things in which you were, that was a death sentence. You were salt mines. You, that was a death sentence and that but there were others who the Romans are notorious for this that they they would make fun of the Greeks they would look down upon the Greeks but then they'd turn around and every one of their children were schooled by tutored by Greek slaves <laughs> they turned the entire tutelage of their children the patricians would turn the entire tutoring of their children over to these Greek slaves and so you had this whole concept also of manumission so there would be a period of service and then you could, you, you might even make some wages. They might even give you some money. And then you might even be able to buy your freedom or at the death of your master. What was so detrimental about the slave period that we're talking about here, not necessarily how it was viewed by Africans in Africa, but once it stepped into those European ships, into that castle, is this was being done by Christians. Mm -hmm. 
That, that I, is a Protestant church. And I would submit that there is probably deep at the core of it all, they knew something was wrong. And the only way to make it work is they had to rationalize in their minds that these weren't even humans. And that is what's so detrimental. Not that the slavery of the ancient world wasn't detrimental, but there was this added nastiness, if I can put it that way, that was Christians rationalizing this behavior. And I'll be honest with you, I don't want to go too far with this tonight, particularly since our dear sister, who is, by the way, Canadian, so she doesn't need to come in to all of the riffraff of the United States of America. She is, she is a God-loving, peaceful, good neighbor to the North. God love the Canadians. Will they put up with us to the South? I have no idea. We don't even treat them with respect. But the point being, is this is the problem when due to political and economic motivations, we rationalize yeah. actions that are just simply not Christian. And everybody who has ears to hear, you just heard what I said. Not in the church I pastor, not in my presence. There are things that will not be present, period. Yeah. They're not allowed. They should be first and foremost a Christian. And we all need to take those stands. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here's a question, Sister Colleen, that uh, is is probably, it's touchy, it's sensitive, but it's one that mm -hmm. I think might, how do the Ghanaians feel about their part in all of this, both as participants and as victims? And it's, you know, it's, as the stories um, unfolded tonight, it's all over the map of, of both of that. What did you get? Is it the big elephant in the room? Nobody talks about it? Is it, how, how does- It depends on who, who you're talking to. Um, one thing is it's so many years past that it's not as fresh in the mind in the current generations. Um, so it's history, but yet it's not um, happening full blown today. So it's, you'll see that they'll speak about it, but if you wanna know, like if I'm doing the tour, let me just say it this way. If I'm doing the tour with visitors, the tour guide most likely will not admit that it was the Ghanaian or West African people that captured their own and sold them. And so one time I just very quietly slipped up beside him when everyone else was talking and I said, um, are you going to tell them how the slaves came to the castle? And he looked at me and he said, yeah, I have to, but I don't want to. Because and this is somebody that you knew because you'd been there so many times. I knew times. him because, you right. know, I could call him by name. I had been there so many times. When I walked in, they knew me. I ended up to where I didn't even pay to do the tour. I was. We, we saw that as well. When Colleen walked us in, it was instantaneous. Guards, reception, everybody that was running the place. She was a, she was a known person. Not exactly a a place you want to be known and yet at the well, same no, time. No, but yet I made a friend with them. And so I just very quietly, you know, um, because one thing, Ghanaians do not like to lose face. And so you have to be very respectful, very careful. And so I just, you know, nonchalantly walked up beside him and I think his name was Stephen actually. And uh, just, you know, said, are you going to tell them? Because these are people that I have brought and they want the whole story. And I know it's painful, but they need to hear the whole thing. And um, so some will feel very, very burdened, um, very, very sad for their part in the history of what happened. Some are so far removed in generations that it's not really affecting them as per se, um, as in feeling bad that they did it. Um, feeling bad that it ever happened, yes. But it's like 
like you said, the elephant in the room that if we don't discuss it, then maybe it didn't happen. And maybe it was the, the Europeans that did that. Um, so it's- This is it's the challenge for all of us. Some of you on this broadcast might be looking and going, Stephen and Regina, what is wrong with you? Like, we're gonna end this broadcast depressed tonight. Like, <laughs> this is supposed to be the fun night. This is a, okay. And that's a legitimate question. And I've been waiting for an opportune time to, to say, why, why did we propose to do this? Uh, why, why are we not talking with Sister Colleen about all the amazing things that happened with the gospel in Ghana? Why tonight are we doing this? And my answer is very simple. What is not remembered will be repeated. Amen. Because hmm. history will repeat itself. Absolutely. And our nation has engaged in some conduct that while I do not want to in any way say that any of what we have experienced in the last year, anything, comes close to the scale or the scope hmm. It still is in the same tributary. It's still in the same vein. It's still in the same kinds of conduct. And it deeply disturbs me. And here I want to speak very bluntly. It disturbs me that all of my non-brown-skinned brothers and sisters are so quick to use language of, well, it's time to move on. No, it's not. It is time to forgive. It is time to be Christian. But it is time to call sin, sin. It is time to remember that the devil's not stopped with his nastiness. And the church is not immune to rationalizing in its own mind for its own political reasons and its own economic reasons why it is that we do certain things. No, there are some things, I don't care who you are, and I don't care what good you do. That conduct is unchristian, and we will have nothing of it. And things like this are how that stays front and center. In fact, I can tell you, my wife and I last night, I don't know if I was in the mood or what, but we watched a very disturbing film that dealt with basically the injustice within, the, within our American justice system. Mm -hmm. And we got done, and I was very heavy, and so was my wife. And my wife looked at me, and I said, I know you don't like watching those with me, but you know why I watch them? And she said, yeah, I do. Because this white boy who lives with the wealth that has passed down to a nation on the backs of a people. Mm. Americans, you need to stare at it and understand our wealth was built on the backs of an entire people. I need to understand that. I need to remember that. I need to have at least enough humility to acknowledge that if there is going to be any measure of forgiveness ever granted by the ancestors or excuse me by the by the children of those ancestors who were put on these boats and were brought to the south america or the caribbean or north america and who built the capital and who built this nation and who put wealth in pockets that there's no way to unravel it that i know of right now but I can at least have some humility. I can at least understand. I can remember so that we do not repeat. So is this a heavy broadcast? Yeah. I'm so, so sorry. You're it's gonna... the most awful Friday night with friends ever. Well, and I'm so sorry that you will have the uncomfortableness of sitting on your couch and remembering something that didn't happen to you so that when you see even the tiniest seed of this kind of rhetoric, this kind of language, this kind of conduct cropping up either in your own life or the life of people around you, you speak out and you operate differently. I think you can handle it. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And mercy. But at the same time, let's handle it. Uh, one more question, actually, a couple, couple of them real quick. Um, how, when and how did the castle come to disuse? Was it basically with the doing away with the slave trade of, of with the Americans? When, when, um, when Ghana actually gained its independence from British rule, 
1957, then um, obviously Britain pulled out. And that is when in the early 18, well, early 1800s is when it became British and that it started to dwindle down a little bit. Um, but when it because Britain shut down slave trade sooner than the Americas did, so basically, yeah. what when Britain shut down the slave trade, basically eighteen. Uh, let me see when they took it over here. I'll give you a date. Um, yeah, Britain took over the castle in eighteen seventy two, and so when what was when it used it in those seventy five years, what was it used as? It was basically, um, if you look at the, at the picture of the courtyard, you'll see those really big, um, it's almost like fortification things that yeah. are put on, on the side. Things. That is, it was a yeah. training, it was a training camp for the military. A okay. lot, some of the time, not all of it, but when, when slavery was abolished or, you know, taken out by Britain, then it was stopped by the British in Ghana, but they still own the castle. They still, you know, and, and for then, folks who don't know, Britain abolished the Slavery Abolition Act in Britain occurred uh, in 1833. So what Sister Colleen's telling us is by the time they took the castle, they were no longer active in the slave trade. So effectively, that would mean when they took control of the castle, that's when slavery, the castle's used for slavery ceased, and then it just became a military installation. Yeah, it, was a, it was a military um, base there that they would train the officers. They would have to run up and down those really steep inclines. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, serious. Like, they had muscles galore there, bless <laughs> their hearts. Um but they would be trained. And then when Ghana gained its independence, Ghana actually took over and kept the castle for themselves. So there was no more um, trading or, or anything going on after they gained their independence. And that's, um, I wanna know, I, I don't know exactly the year that they deemed it a historical site uh, I can't remember. I'm sorry. We're working at one o'clock in the morning, so <laughs> please. Absolutely. I don't think I said that, but Colleen is is in Gabon, which is uh, far, far away and well ahead of us in time. That's right. So. <laughs> so, one final question. I think I know the answer, but I'll let you answer it. Did Canada have slavery as a part of it? Was it really just as a Commonwealth nation? Was it a part of the story, basically, as a part of the British Empire, and it? ceased as a part of the British Empire? Um, I don't know. Like, I, we didn't have, that I know of growing up, there was not slavery. Like, the slaves, there was not. Yeah. Well, ours was raised to Canada. Yeah. The railroad to Canada was where people would escape. That's right. come to Canada for safety. That's right. Um, but like I was raised, it didn't matter who you were, what color you were. You were our friend. You were our neighbor. Right. Um, right. So I like I've never, ever none of my family would have owned or, you know what I mean? Thought of even having anything like that. Um, yeah. And I, I think the answer to our to uh, Brother Ken, I think the answer is, is that when you remember that the United States, 1776, so you know that number. The British Empire basically abolishes slavery, at least in its formal forms. You, you could talk about colonialism as being a form of slavery, but right. 1833. So you got to understand that by the time we get to the 1860s with our Civil War, okay, already it's been 30 years that slavery has been abolished by the British Empire. Well, I don't know. I don't know my Canadian history, but I imagine that that Canada wasn't real well. Uh, populated no in that period it's, it's still not in comparison to the states right. like yeah. you really look at canada everybody lives close to the border so because right. you're know. dealing with with not temperate uh one of the things that slavery works for is agricultural systems and agricultural right. systems require and we have temperate. such drastic seasons that's right that, that's right know. that's right well folks i'm going to call it a night 
not only because we are past our eight o'clock point, but because I don't want Sister Colleen to fall <laughs> off her chair at one in the morning. But I want to say thank you to everybody for having, um, uh, allowing us to deal with this topic. Thank you for sticking with us. And uh, understand, as she mentioned already, that though its form has changed, there is still slavery that occurs in this world. It is a sin problem, ladies and gentlemen. It is a sin problem. And uh, thank God for the hope of the gospel. And, uh, and that's why we have supported Sister Colleen for decades. And we believe in her and the work that she does and all of our missionaries around the world because they carry the hope of the world in their hands as they bring the gospel around the world. And uh, so, again, let me remind everyone here tonight that, again, we will be having communion on Easter Sunday, so be prepared for that. Uh, don't forget to, to be prepared. We do broadcast every single night, Tuesday through Sunday, except for Monday night at 7 o'clock. And so we'll be back here tomorrow night at 7 p.m. We'd love to have you join us. And uh, if you're looking for more information about us and what kind of church deals with this topic, well... Just check us out at newarkupc.info, and we'll be happy to answer any questions. Reach out to us, email us, call us. You can uh, submit prayer requests. You can submit baptism requests there. Partner with us in giving. Join a small group. We'll be starting small groups, not this coming week, but the first full week in April. Looking forward to a great time there. Sister Colleen, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, an honor. Even been if it's... A deep subject still. Thank you for allowing me to join you and be a part Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. It's good to see you again. Hopefully sometime soon we'll be able to spend some time together in Gabon. And uh, until then, Godspeed to you. And uh, to the rest of you, good night and God bless you. Thank you. God bless.